Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going, what's going on, folks? This is Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and alongside me tonight, I got the crew. We are back together, the squad, the three <laughs> amigos. Um, we're actually going to be together a lot. We've been together a lot this year, and, and we got a lot of stuff planned as well um, this coming season. So awesome to have these guys back with me again. We got Hunter from Iowa, mm-hmm. also from the Duck Gun Podcast, also from the Duck Gun Podcast. <laughs> and we got Zach from Michigan, Zach the audio engineer. Oh yeah, <laughs> Zach the young Padawan. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to say that. <laughs> but we're out here and we're having a great time. We are in Kentucky. Last minute trip for the duck season. The trip to save it all. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We've we've all had great duck seasons, but last minute chance to get after some ducks. What was that? <laughs> Ellie. Ellie. <laughs> we got Ellie in the background cracking us up. But, um, yeah, we, we're just having a great time out here in Kentucky. Um, so we're going to tell you all about the trip. Um, we've had two long days, uh, grueling days of the duck hunt um, trip. And now we're we're the night of day two, and we're going to be going to day three. So uh, stay tuned for all of those Juicy details, but before we get to that, let's get a quick word from our partners, and then we'll jump into the main meat of the podcast. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, Onyx is awesome for the duck hunter, especially on these out-of-state trips or just any trip in general or getting away from your home base, places that you don't normally hunt. Um, It's great for that. You have the the property boundaries. You have um, the information as far as your public land information. Um, You have a suite of tools that um, allow you to, just as a duck hunter, be more efficient and more successful. So if you're not using Onyx, you're missing out. The competition around you is, and it's you know it's a great tool for the duck hunter. Also, like to give a big thanks to Weatherby. Guys, Weatherby has some awesome shotguns for the duck hunter. Um, they've been long since known for their rifles, their excellence in that and reliability in that. And now they're known more and more for that in their shotguns as well. Um, on this trip, I brought the 18i Deluxe 20 gauge. It's an awesome duck shooting gun. Um, and I just love it. So if you are in the market for a duck gun, consider whether it be, you won't regret it. Also like to give a big thanks to motion decks guys. Motion decks is the jerk rig on steroids, uh, on those no wind days on those late season birds, even for geese. It's a great option for putting ripples in the set, putting motion in the set. You just set it up. You got the hand, the the jerk rig mm-hmm. cord, whatever you want to call it, the handle, handle, and you you know you're just putting those ripples right in your set. It's just a great tool for um, you know helping you out on those late season days or, or just any time that you need motion in the set. So um, go over to their website, motiondex.com slash Chronicles. Actually, it's just slash duck gun and use code duck gun 10 over there. Get the 10% off. You get the free anchor bag. That is the deal um, specifically for the duck gun chronicles and duck gun podcast um, group. And you get the ultimate spreader with the free anchor bag um, and then the 10% off with the code duck gun 10. 
So, um, and lastly, final approach. You guys, final approach. Uh, as of now, as I speak, they're still running their end of the year sale at FABrand.com for apparel. I know a bunch of you guys are jumping over there and grabbing those products. Uh, 75% on some awesome stuff like the puffy jacket. Actually, I'm not sure if that one's 50% off or 75% off, but just huge end of the year sales. Uh, the decoy gloves, the regular Branta gloves, uh, the Branta bibs, a bunch of really high quality uh, duck hunting apparel over there and like some of the best prices you're ever going to see. And with the code DuckGun10, no, just DuckGun. Man, I wish I wish all these codes were the same, but that gun with 10% off as well. So uh, even making that deal a little sweeter. So anyways, let's go ahead and jump to the main uh, meat of the podcast. So like I said, we are in Kentucky. We're sitting in our Airbnb, and we got the boys back together. Impromptu, impromptu, uh, me and Hunter just screwing around on a phone call, talking, and he's like, man, I'm thinking about going to Kentucky. I'm like, you know what? Me too. <laughs> that sounds very cool. You know, as long you know, not trying to encroach on whatever you got planned. You're like, no, I don't have plans at all. Like, let's let's make it happen. Uh, then we started Marco and Zach as well. Uh, we're we're screwing with them a little bit because we're our, our kind of our hopes were like flooded timber because mm-hmm, yeah. there's some flooded timber in the area. So we told him we're going to go to Arkansas, and he's like, let's do it. <laughs> and we're like, okay. Well, it was kind of a joke about Arkansas, and then one thing led to another. Next thing you know, we're all in our trucks. Driving, you know, for me and me and Hunter, it's both uh, six hours plus. And Zach, you know, you had your three and a half hours plus before that. So from there, Hunter, you actually got here first. So let's uh, let's jump into um, what you saw the first day on the scout day. Yeah. All right. So like to start the scout day, I started off hunting in a uh, private field. I hunted there for two hours in the morning. I was hunting with my dad and some other guys that I know from down here. And uh, didn't really see a whole lot. I mean, we saw some birds fly over, but it was slim. And I stopped hunting at like, I don't know, 8.30, 8.45. Got in the truck, hooked the boat up, and headed out to try to stick out spots. I think we had like, I don't know, I had like 20 pens on my phone. And I think of the 20 pens, I visited 19 of them. There was one of them I couldn't actually get to. Yeah, that's pretty good. We we, we map scouted a lot. We got on the computer at least two nights mm-hmm. putting pins together. I know you put some pins together by yourself too. Yeah. And, um, you know, we did our due diligence really coming into it, trying to find some public land spots. We actually put in for an online draw for public land, hoping to get in some of either the free range spots or the blind draw spots. As well as, as additional options. Yeah, and we just didn't. We, none of us got drawn for it, and so we decided we were going to try to free-range it, and uh, I spent all day going to pens, and I found 10 to 20 birds at one pen, and that was the only thing I saw all day. I heard some private ground shooting around some of the public ground, but where we thought there would be water, they don't have high water around here. They have low water, but they got a bunch of rain. And I was hoping that they'd put water on the on the timber, and it didn't. There's just no water where I wanted it to be, and where I thought there'd be open holes was just buck brush for as far as you could see, which is miserable to walk through, miserable to hunt in, and it's just impossible. And really, I had nothing. And the only there's a couple eventful stories from the scout. The first one was I'm driving up a flooded creek bed, so it's like wicked fast current, and I'm driving up it in the mud boat, and I look over. And there's a deer running right alongside me. 
And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, whatever, a little spike buck running alongside me. And all of a sudden, it decides to jump in front of the boat off the dike and try to swim alongside me. And then it cuts in front of me and then decides that it's fun to try to swim against the current. And after about two minutes of that, it was uh, it looked pretty wore out and ended up getting back up on dry ground again. But that was pretty interesting on that. And then um, the next like interesting story was uh, there's a spot that actually had some flash flooding. And so I ended up having to launch the boat uh, with like the truck and everything. Well, my, I have an Envoy, an SUV, in shin deep water. So I'm like walked it all out, made sure I could drive where I wanted to drive, kind of had a water level on my boot where I was like, if it gets this deep, I'm just not going to try it. And it ended up being just like mid shin all the way back. And so I have this awesome picture of our video of the envoy up to the running boards in water and then my boat just floating off the trailer and i don't know it it didn't see a single duck in the spot but it was kind of cool to like back up into water i mean i was in 100 100 yards into the water at that point before i actually got to the edge where i could drop the boat off mm. and then the last like scout story was i went to this the last pin of the day and i'm like you know i haven't seen anything so now i'm like super bummed i'm like super wore out and this one was a three-quarter of a mile walk in one direction to the spot. And I get there, and I thought it was going to be a, a crop field to walk across. And it ends up being prairie grass. And I'm like, oh, no. And I was like, well, I'm here. I've scouted all day. If I don't touch this pen, I'm going to be thinking about it. So I go back, and I get like, I don't know, half a mile in. I'm getting close to the spot, but I'm still pretty far away. And I look up, and there's like 50 mallards flying over the spot. And I'm like, now I'm just excited. Now I'm like, I'm going to walk back here. I'm going to find all these feathers on the water. And it's just going to be, it's going to be money. And I'm like getting excited, getting excited. And the closer I get, the more birds I'm seeing flying in the air. And I'm just getting super excited. And I walk back and where I had every hole pinned out was just, just the wicked buck brush. You couldn't walk through it. You couldn't see through it. And like, I didn't hear anything. I didn't see any feathers in the water. And then I finally finally after like an hour of walking through this stuff just blindly looking at onyx just like keeping my way with that but just seriously looking walking through this stuff hoping to find a hole i found a hole and it was like 20 yards across and i took one step into it and almost filled up my waders (laughs) and i was like well we can't really hunt this i'm you know 700 yards away from the closest dry ground and it's like you know it gets infinite depth as far as i'm concerned two feet in front of me there's like no way to hunt it it's flooded water and it's flowing through there and i'm like man this is starting to get dark i'm like man it's time to get the heck out of here (laughs) and i saw that three quarters to a mile of walk back out just totally bummed because the whole time i'm thinking like there's nobody else that's coming back to this spot it's going to be just like that money secret spot back in the timber no nah not not the way it worked out Man, if you would have told me, we might have ended up there. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Really? You said there were 50 birds there. There's 50 you birds. See, that was the thing. They were flying over. They, I didn't see where any of them landed, but they were just like working the tree line. And I was like, I'm like starting to think, oh, this is money. This is money. And then I get back there and immediately I'm like, there's no possible way we're going to hunt this. And I'm like, well, maybe we can drag in. I brought a uh, my teal chaser with me. Yep. I was like, well, maybe we can like carry it in, and then that way we can like use that to get back and forth. And I'm like, I'm not about to drag a fiberglass <laughs> boat half a mile across a prairie. Like, it's just not going to happen. 
And like I said, I, I got so excited. I was like almost like running through like the non-flooded part of the timber to look for where these birds were at because I was so jacked up, you know. And it's like what happened during teal season. I didn't find birds all day, just all day, all right, day. Right. I didn't see nothing. And then all of a sudden I just like walked across and I was like, oh, here's the birds. Here they are. Here They're, they're here. And I'm thinking the whole time I'm like, I'm about to be the hero with this like <laughs> with this scout again. Nothing. Just totally yep. bust. Just there's nothing around. There's fresh water on some of the ground. The little birds that are here spread out, and it's just it's hard. Right, right. It's always tough when we're not we're not there to see it. But uh, Zach's been on me in a plenty of hunts, and and you have too. Mm-hmm. But I'm always one to do like the crazy, <laughs> yeah. the crazy thing for whatever reason. A lot of times it actually works out, to be honest. But I'm uh, I do a lot of crazy things. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was like, like I said, I was like excited seeing the birds. I saw two or three groups fly over it, and I'm like, okay, they got to be like coming back down into there. And I get back there, and actually, the crazy thing was, I'm back in this buck brush, and it's just waves of doves flying over me, just tons of doves, uh, and it doesn't make any sense why they'd be back in buck brush like that and flooded, right? Know, hard timber buck brush, but they were there, and they were just flying around and. I'm like, every time I hear a wing beat, I'm like, oh, it's a duck. And then, no, nothing. Right. It's just another dove. Yep. Yeah. So you uh, you told us that you you have your smart watch, and it tracked, what, seven and a half miles of, of walking? Yeah, I did just over seven and a half miles of walking and put just under 10 miles on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. That's scouting. that's that's due diligence for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, like a, I that's a long so. day of scouting. Yeah. And uh, to no avail. I mean, you, I guess you had like two mediocre options like that one would have been really tough and i can understand like not wanting to do that again yeah after you walked all that way and it's like even then it's like not a for sure thing yeah because you just saw birds that flew over yeah but like some days you might end up doing that right yeah but even like it was just the thing that killed that spot was that it would have just been impossible to hunt i mean we would have been in waist deep water in buck brush with a 20 yard hole and if you dropped the bird in the hole you couldn't get it until it floated out of it and if you drop the bird in the buck brush, well, you're, you can't walk through it. Like, it's so thick, you can't even walk you through it. You got a dog, brush. though. Where's she going to go? What do you mean? There's no trees to tie her up to or, not, like, put a dog stand Uh-oh. on or nothing. And it's like, so it's like. You gotta, you'd have to, yeah, you'd have to keep, like, the, the tilt chaser, like, right next to you and you have to sit in it. Yeah. We, we've hunted buck brush, like, sitting with boats. Oh. You know, and sometimes, like, even, like, no bottom, like, we'll, or, like, thin bottom. Mm-hmm. And you, like, sit, like, on the front of your canoe. Yeah. And then. You know, so yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's not preferable for well, sure. But here's the deal: is like that's okay when you got a hundred yard walk. Well, right. when it's three quarters of a mile. Sign yeah. me out. Well, Jack Padawan <laughs> pulling the yeah, tilt chaser. The, and... You probably would have, right? Yeah, I for sure would have. Yeah. yeah, if there See? were birds in there. Yeah, I say if I would walk back there and it would have just been like the mother load, I would have been like, yeah, if we're doing it. What what bird number flying over would you would have had a scene to be like? This is what we're doing. If I'd seen what we saw this morning for an hour straight. I probably would have done it. For a whole hour? Yeah. I mean, like, I've seen crazier things down here than that for an hour straight. Like, I've been sitting in a blind, and there's, like, three to four times that I'm out all day. If you had kicked 50 birds out of that hole, I'd be all in. No. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> I if they were on the water in that hole, I'd Absolutely be sold. Not. Really? Absolutely not. It wouldn't have been huh. worth it. I would have went and hunted the other spot with 10 birds on it. Mm-hmm. Because it was a 500-yard walk, and it would have been an easier hunt. Like, the hunt itself would have made more sense. Mm. You know? Well, 50 birds for three guys, that's, like, limits. That probably is. 
Man, your guys' like standards are way different than mine, I think, for Well, I think it's just hunt. it's like the number of birds you see on the Mississippi versus like what we see in northern Indiana and southern Michigan. Right. We're not in a flyway, really. Yeah. We're not in a big flyway. It's nothing for us to like a lot of times we, we hunt spots with fifty birds. Yeah, but do you think oh, you're yeah. uh like how do I want to say this? You think your percentage of birds flying over versus like your my percentage? Like I might have a higher percentage of birds flying over, but the percentage wise of birds that'll actually come in is way lower. So like if I have a hundred birds fly over me in a day, well, no, so it's like one of them might give me a look. Okay. Well, sure. On the Mississippi river. Yeah. Um, because they have so many other options. A lot of times when we find a little hole that has 50 birds on it, they've been coming there Mm -hmm. for like days. Nobody else like, and that almost sounds like that spot. Probably nobody else would have like, if there's 50 birds on the water is what we're saying. It probably would have been like, right. The little, like that 50 birds probably would have came back. And they probably would have came back in like three or four groups at minimum. Yeah. yeah. And then like if you can imagine three or four groups, as long as you shoot one per flock. Yeah, you're doing you're, all right. Right. You, yeah. yeah. Even if, you know, so we're not saying that we should have hunted. It sounds <laughs> like it would it sounded like it would have sucked to Dude, like it would have been miserable. Right. You'd but cold. I'm just saying we do some miserable things as duck hunters sometimes. Yeah, yeah but sometimes and we're, it's not. We good. do it with a smile on our face. <laughs> After the fact. Yeah. 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 And uh, honestly, sometimes those make the best stories. Yeah. I mean, like, and, like, I walked in there, and like I said, I was, like, the closer I got, the more excited I was getting. That I'm like, this is going to be the spot that saves it. Because on the map, it, like, the recent imagery – isn't clear enough to see like these like 50 yard 100 yard holes right right and so like on the map they had a spring flood on like the high def yeah and i'm like dude this is going to be a sweet hole it's going to be like i mapped it out it was like 60 or 70 yards and like i said i get back there and it's like 20 and it's like the last hundred yards through the buck brush literally almost killed me. Like, I'm like, I'm like, and then, and then I like decide, I'm like, all right, we're done with this. I'm done with this spot. I'm, we're not going to hunt this. Right. And I go to walk out and there is some straight up voodoo going on back there. Cause I go to walk out and I sent you guys the Marco. There's just a turtle shell oh, yeah. in the top of one of these buck brush branches, just like wedged in there. And I'm like, I have no idea how I got there. It had to be high water, right? High water. And that like, just, floated onto it or something I, yeah, and then the be. water dropped it had to be right it yeah. was like 12 Turf. feet up yeah i mean it was way <laughs> up in the street but it wasn't like underneath because like around me you'll sometimes see where like eagles will drop stuff but like it wasn't underneath a big tree where an eagle would have dropped it or anything it would have right. had to have been like a high water thing but i don't know yeah that's crazy you. yep so in the meantime this whole time that you're scouting um, so you got to come up a day early and you're doing the scouting for us and all that. And me and Hunter or me and Zach rather, um, are making our trek up. And like the whole time, like part of the, the reason, like we're like, Hey, let's put this last minute trip together. There's a huge forecast for this giant cold front snow, all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it kind of gets us excited to do that, but it also like it made our travel a lot tougher because, um, Zach left and um snow is already starting just to come in like crazy yeah as soon as so as soon as i got past michigan and ohio the snow started and it was coming down pretty good the entire way and just for perspective i got like a three and a half four hour drive to uh jordan's house and it probably took me four and a half five hours um so i was kind of stuck behind semi trucks the whole way and then i actually saw right in front of me as I was going to his house, right, 
So I'm in the fast lane kind of following this car, trying to pass the semi, and I'm following in the ruts of this car. All of a sudden, this car goes completely sideways, and I'm, like, right behind it, right? So I'm trying to hit the brakes, but not hard enough to where I'm also going to lose control. This car is going completely sideways. I think I'm going to smoke it, just absolutely T-bone this this poor lady. Finally, she goes off into the ditch, which sounds bad, but it was great for me because I wasn't going to T-bone her. Right? <laughs> it, was gonna, it was a one-car wreck instead of a two, and so I ended up going. I didn't pass the semi, got back behind him, and I followed him for most of the way, but he was doing like 35 and a 70. So yeah. it took forever to get to Jordan's house. Right. And then... Yeah, so then then we got going, and so we're already running late, um, and then, like, the snow is really coming down. We're trying to, like, part of our, like, plan for, like, leaving was to, like, trying to, like, beat the storm, because, like, right. the later in the day, like, the more the storm was going to be, like, the further south, because the temperature was dropping, and we're heading south. So if we could have got out of there, like, an hour before that, like, it would have shaved, like, I don't even know, like, two hours off our trip almost. Oh, yeah. And so we got going late, and then, um, like, GPS, we looked it up the day before. It said um, six hours and 20 minutes. We got, As soon as we got in the truck, I put the GPS. It says seven hours and 10. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> and then even then, it, like, it, the snow just kept coming, and it added another 50 minutes. So we went from yeah. six hours and 20 minutes to an eight-hour drive. So we got here at, like, 1 o'clock our time, which was around, like, midnight here. Yeah. Right. So long night. Right. Right. Actually, I was in the car for 13 hours. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 13 hours. I mean, it, this was a hell Mary, like, like, like <laughs> very little planning going into it. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say very little, very last minute planning. <laughs> and then, you know, super excited to, to get after here on some ducks. So what ended up happening is honestly, I mean, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, let's uh let's talk about the heritage of this place. Um, so we're in Western Kentucky. I guess we should, can be a little bit more specific. Yeah. And there, honestly, it's an area that is steeped with waterfowl tradition. So um, maybe you, you don't know that if you, if you're not too familiar with different parts of the country. But it is. It's like a oh, yeah. it's a waterfowl community. Like where like we went to a diner and like they're just looking at us and they ask us how many ducks we shot and like yep. stuff. So it's like the town and the people that don't even hunt. Um, and like that, you know, whoever that woman was at the register, like yep. she had enough information in like the community to know that like we're duck hunters and, and that's what we're doing. So it's, it's really cool to see that. Not like, you know, that is kind of like a minor thing compared to, I mean, years and years and decades of families hunting and like all this, private leased up spots and, yeah, duck, and clubs. duck clubs and permanent blinds and and um i don't know it's just so different and honestly it's it's pretty cool and unique um especially to like what i've done because i've traveled a lot i have done like very especially when i travel very little private most of it's like public land um experiences and um, I don't know. It was really, really cool to kind of see this. You see this on like TV shows sometimes and, mm-hmm. and to kind of experience like a really nice permanent blind. I mean, it had like a refrigerator in there, an oven. Oh, yeah. It's set up with like the front section for the shooting and the back sections, like a, like a living space. And yeah, yeah it was really, really cool. So, um, it's really cool to kind of experience that, you know, they're really hardcore 
hunters and they just do it in a different way. And, you know, I was talking to him, um, what's his name? Austin. Yeah. The guy who owns the property and, and, um, you know, just kind of sharing with him how it was cool that like, we're all duck hunters from different walks of life, different States. You know, we don't know each other. We don't know. He doesn't know us from Adam and he invites us out there. And, yeah. and, uh, like, but the one thing that connects us is that we're all ate up and passionate about duck hunting and, and we can kind of find common ground in that and, and, you know, get together as brothers and, and, and hunt and have, and have a, a, a fun time. Yeah. 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 And like, in case it wasn't clear, we're, we're hunting on a private, a private family owned, uh, essentially duck club, but it's their own like private thing. It's not a big name brand, like hunting, hunting club or hunting reservation or anything like that. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, like a lot of these hunt clubs are like pay, like yep. pay to join and stuff like this. This is like, um, it's your dad got owned. connected with, yeah. yes. with him. And then, you know, yeah. And so like, we kind of, you got the invite from your dad and then we get an invite through you. And so now it's like, he just has this private spot and he enjoys like having people come hunt with him. Yep. And it's like, he puts in a ton of work. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, like it's all diked off. Right. Plants corn in there. He pumps it. Pumps yep. It, he has all the decoys out. Right. Has a tractor for planting corn in there and then he floods the corn and then his blind is like, you can see where he's cut down all the branches. I mean, it's super well done mm-hmm. blind, well done hide with the blind. Um, I mean, you name it, this guy's got it going on. He's got his own, like, homemade system for motion that he's made in the spread. And, like, yeah, it's just, it's it's impressive. It really is. I mean, and, like, yeah, it, it really is impressive. The thing that's always, like, kind of I liked about the, the permanent blinds is that you get in them and you flip a switch and the mojo's turned on. And you flip a switch and you got the water motion going. And that's always, <laughs> like... You know, I'm thinking like how many hours it takes, like how many hours right. of my life Flip. I've spent putting mojos out. You know, right? And he flips the switch, and uh, ice eaters come on. Right? Yeah, he says right. he's got it. He's got it all rigged up and set up for every situation. When you told me that, like I honestly did not know. It never even occurred in my mind that people would set it up like that. Yeah, yeah. And see, like I, I think that if I had a hunt club, something like that, I would personally pull decoys every day. And that's just my opinion. Sure. I think I would personally pull decoys every day. But a lot of these guys, you know, like you walk out there and he's got, I don't even know, five, ten dozen full bodies sitting out for ducks, probably about that again, if not more for speckle bellies and geese. And I don't even know how many decoys were in that hole. Right. I, I mean, a ton. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's loaded up. Yeah. Yep. He probably had 40, 50 dozen decoys out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't set that every morning. I mean, you could, but <laughs> I don't know. I just you like, could, but you couldn't walk uh, three quarters through. Uh, Set <laughs> <laughs> so decoys, uh, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> but going back to the original thing, this place is very steeped in like the tradition. This uh, around here actually used to be one of the it used to be the goose killing capital of the country for Canadian geese, and like so, if you want to shoot Canadian geese, this is where you went, and like they just don't migrate here anymore. And then all of a sudden the ducks did, and here we are. I mean, right? There's still some there's some hunting clubs that've been here for a really really long time. Right? Uh, yeah, like really really well established clubs. Yeah, we we talked to him. I mean, this farm has been in his family for like seventy years. Yeah, and, since the fifties. Yeah, fifties. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, he, I think he implied when he said that that they've been hunting like yeah. that since right. for seventy years on this property, and and yeah, they've. You know, they've killed a lot of birds, like mm-hmm. right from that blind in that place, and 
and it's just a migration path. I mean, we're like major flyways, excuse me, major rivers are coming all, you know, mm-hmm. um, converging in the same location. We're really not too far from like Stuckark, Arkansas, right? You no, know, it's yeah. just the other side of the, the river over there in Arkansas. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a cool area. And like, I don't know, you just see a lot of like the timber and um, the Arkansas style hunting. This is a super, super similar to that kind of mm-hmm. heritage and style. And I haven't got to be a part of that really yet, even with like all the other things I've done in, in waterfowl. So yeah, it, it's, it's really cool. And, you know, um, we're super thankful for him to, to have us out and, yeah, yeah. and, and let us hunt and experience that for sure. Cause I mean, a lot of people would uh, <laughs> kill for for that type of opportunity. Oh, yeah. So, um, but the hunt today, um, I'll, I'll just say, it didn't you know? It didn't really pan out super well. So, they've been having. I mean, across the country, we've been having the worst migration, you know, um, pretty much ever. Yeah. Right? If we're, if we're gonna yeah. talk about like snow plus warm, yeah, it's yeah, a lot of the southern spots are screaming um, because well. The ducks really haven't shown up, and so we're hoping this cold front and everything would push them down. And I will say that, like, the birds have showed up to some degree, mm-hmm. and even, like, we hunted from dawn to dusk, and the evening part of it, so actually we killed them. We had a three-pack come in. Actually, it was, like, more like a 12-pack, and the first three finished, and we shot at the first three and yeah. and knocked down one. So we had one wood duck coming earlier. Um, that's all the hunt, really. Yeah. You know? yeah. Other than that, it was it, just us hanging out. Right. Right, and that's like the one thing that's uh, I've always in my mind I thought like I've probably even said it on the podcast where maybe I have like a disparaging view of like people that hunt the same blind over and over, mm-hmm. but like I kind of get it a little bit, right? Yeah, like it's it's fun to hang out with with your your buddies. Like this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to this blind to like I would do it to some degree. I think if I was. In this area. This is just what we're going to do today, right? Mm-hmm. We're just going to mm-hmm. come hang out at the blind. Some ducks are going to come. We're, we're going to shoot them. And, and, you know, that's that, right? Yeah. Well, it's a nice, easy hunt. You get really good camaraderie because you can, you know, bring out as many people as you want realistically. Um, it's a good sense of community because a lot of these guys have been hunting that same blind for a while. Um, and then I thought it was really cool. He has, a, like, a duck tally in the back of how many ducks were actually killed out of that blind and he keeps it every single year. And so I think it's just really cool to look back on that and see, um, kind of what the, the progression of that property is. Right. Right. And, uh, this is like a major, major low, down year. yeah, low year for yeah. him. And I mean, I think they're at like a fifth of what oh, they yeah, normally a fifth get. Or a sixth. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. And it's just, it's not something I want to do every day. You know, we've like talked about the permanent blinds walking right. out to us. Right. It's not something I'd want to do every day. But it's but, it, but if I had the opportunity, I definitely would do it mm-hmm. a handful of the days oh, yeah. of the year. Yeah. It'd be really nice after like a, a hard week of hunting or something. Where you have kind of just a nice easy hunt where you get to go sit in a, a heated blind, she, flip some switches, and you get lights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's got lights. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's not in. like the major appeal still isn't like the ease of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Saying oh an easy hunt, I'm not like yes, like you know, like <laughs> like you know what I mean. Yeah. So like that, that's not why I would do. It. I would do it for like the other things, like talked about the camaraderie. Um, like we can just hang out in the blind behind the shooting spot, and then you know people are kind of cycling in and out of the shooting spots. Right. And, you know, it's just like more of a hangout. It's more of it's. Like, I guess it's more 
casual. Like, don't get me wrong. These guys are like killers and they want to get after the ducks and oh, they want to hardcore. Yeah. Right. And they want to stack them when they can and this and that. But, um, also it's not the end of the world when you have a day that's like this, you know, and a little bit slower and, yeah, but they a, also have days where they just, you know, they, they just smash them. them. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause we're in this migration zone. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, that's why it's worth it to like build your duck castle and, 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 yeah. and have a really cool setup. Yeah. I mean like it, I would compare it to like, it's not quite the same thing, but like the, like the country club experience where like the people that go to country clubs don't really go to golf. They kind of go to hang out and, you know, talk to people and sure, do the other yeah. stuff. And I think that like some of the hunt clubs get kind of close to that. Right, they kind of right. give you that same like talking to people with a similar mindset, hanging out, having a good time, and then like, yeah, if you shoot ducks, and like they do like to shoot ducks, but right, it's not always like the most important thing, which is kind of kind of interesting because we're talking to a guy like uh, Austin, the guy who owns the property. I mean, he's got a lanyard that'll stand up on end because it's full of bands because all the all the geese and <laughs> right, yeah, he's got spec bands. I mean, like it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's and not it's, too often I hunt with someone who's got more bands than me, so it's, yeah, yeah. he put you to shame. <laughs> yeah, like it's oh, a yeah. shame. Right, I mean, and it was cool. Like we asked them like about the stories and and, and different things like that. So it's definitely cool to to see that. And then what was the older fella fellow's name? Oh, uh, I can't remember. I don't remember. The other one was Bobby and Donnie. Is it Donnie? Donnie. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And so Donnie has been hunting here for I mean forever. Oh yeah. You know, like, uh, and he's an older man. And like that's another thing. Like you, if like the way that we like to hunt, kind of. Like balls to the wall, like oh, yeah. you know, a hundred miles per hour. Yeah, you just like not everybody can do that. Like this old this this older fella can couldn't do that, you know. Yeah. And he talked right. about you know his younger escapades and like public land and like the crazy stuff they used to do. Like that's what we're still doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it's it's nice, and there's something you don't want to lose, like with the heritage and like um the history of hunting. And it's like it's good to hunt with those kind of guys who have the stories and and have the experience. And he can still get in that blind, and he can still sit in a in a hole right there and and shoot with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. But like he can't, you know, he can't get out there in the public land. He's not gonna, you know, sleep in the marsh. He's not gonna, no. you know, be ramping over log jams and standing in the waist deep water and and chasing cripples through the trees and all that stuff. Like those those days are kind of. Um, in his rearview mirror, but he's still, you know, he's still passionate and ate up with waterfowl, and mm-hmm. um, it's just it's nice to be able to hunt with those kind of people too and yeah. hear their stories. It's really cool to get those uh, multi generational hunts, right? Where you have a, you know, different generations all on the same hunt together. Because, like you said, you can talk about kind of like the new age of duck hunting, uh, compare it to the old age of duck hunting. Um, you get that that history and that. Um, uh, you know, it's a it's a generational thing. So, um, you know, they the way they killed ducks sixty years ago was much different than the way that we killed them today. And so, just kind of comparing the two different stories and and hearing um, all those um, different you know stories and and trips and stuff that uh, these different generations do is is really interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. It yep. really is. So our plan for tomorrow. Is well, we we had kind of a couple options. Uh, option number one, and kind of the one we were starting to think about, was hitting up the public land just to have kind of a little bit of a, a variety on the trip. Uh, like so, we had options for it. We saw a lot of people getting out there um, on public land, kind of in our drive 
to the the private spot. Um, so and and there's birds around, right? And we got major river systems and all that. So um, we kind of made a little a plan for that, and then um, we just got to thinking, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, the real reason is it's going to be what eleven degrees here tonight, right? Yeah, and it's like if well, we go to a public land, flooded timber, or like a marsh, it's for it's, sure going to be frozen. Right, it's going to be locked up. So, like, we probably if if it wasn't going to be locked up, we probably would have got out of there a little quicker and tried to scout and mm-hmm. find that flooded timber public land spot. Yeah. Made an attempt to find it, not saying that we would have found birds or not, or found a place to hunt, but we would have made attempts to do that. Uh, it turned in that we were going to like have to do the river because yeah. it's going to be 11 degrees. And not only that, like a ton of rain. Like They've got like four inches in the last week, so the river's like way up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little, <laughs> especially us not knowing it, it's a little less safe to get on like a, I mean, we're talking a giant river. Um and get on like action stage, yeah, action flood stage, yeah, like a, <laughs> sketchy in a boat that like honestly hasn't ran well in like over a month, <laughs> you know, like well below right. freezing, yeah, right, well yeah. below freezing, right, unfamiliar pr- territory. So when Austin gave us the invite to, he said, hey, like nobody's gonna be hunting this blind in the morning tomorrow. Some people are gonna come hunting in the afternoon, but if you guys want to come hunt. My private, like, castle of a blind <laughs> with ice eaters running in my flooded corn private spot. You're more than welcome. We're like, yeah, that sounds like way better <laughs> than like getting up at like three in the morning, yep. racing out to a public land spot that we don't know on a river that's flood stage. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, hoping that uh, like we can shoot birds and then also retrieve them. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we'll take, we'll take you up on that. Thanks, man. We really appreciate it. So, um, we're yeah, that's what we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to jump back in that blind. Ice eaters are already rolling. We got that set up before we left. Um, and it's just going to be the three of us to start the morning off, and some other guys will probably show up as the day comes on um, with, yeah, just their their group of um, hunters. So, All right, so I got a question about this. Yeah, let's hear it. All day they were kind of talking about, so tomorrow's supposed to be cold, like real cold. And they were talking about how... They real feeling the negatives, by yeah, the way. Real feel, yeah, it's going to be bad. Like, it's going to be brisk. And they're talking about how they don't think the mallards will fly until the warm part of the day. That they won't go out and feed until the warm part of the day. And I think that that's kind of BS. Maybe that's just my experience with cold, really cold, brid- brittle days like that. Brutal days. Brittle. Brittle. <laughs> but, brittle ice days. <laughs> But, like, I, I've i always noticed that, like, on real brutal days like that, like, some birds come off the roost and go feed, and then others keep the holes open, and then they cycle through. And, like, they're like, ah, nothing will fly till 10 o'clock. Do you think that'll be the case tomorrow? I don't morning? think – I think saying BS is, like, an overstatement, right? Okay. I, I would say that it's not 100%, right? Mm-hmm. I've been on days – I've been on hunts where they don't. Literally, they just do not fly. And I've sat out in – really really cold temperatures as long as we could stand it which was like two hours till shooting light and i I kid you not we started packing up and they started flying Mm -hmm. after sitting there all day like my face was like wind burnt i was numb to the bone like windy cold day and they just sat on the ice and held it open for like like 10 hours you know what i mean mm -hmm. so like it does happen i understand Mm -hmm. that that mindset um but i've also been on days where I mean, similar, if not colder temperatures, and we shot our limit in like 
no joke, like three minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, I just don't see how some of them are going to have to get up and get food in the morning. Cause I'm just saying it's not 100%. It, yeah. They could be, they could happen either way. What do you think is more likely in your experience? I would say for, I would say that I, I think that some ducks are going to fly, whether they come into our spot or not. I think that we will see ducks fly at first light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I mean, I just don't see how we can't have at least some, some success knowing that it's going to be anywhere that there's not an ice eater or flowing water. And it's going to have to be like flowing water, not a, not a trickle, not a stream. It's going to have to be flowing water. Tomorrow. Right. Anywhere that doesn't have those two things is going to be locked up. And so it's like, I don't see how we're in a flooded field with food, with ice eaters, and we don't have success in them. Do you think that uh, this part of the country is putting additional stress stress on the grid by the number of ice eaters that are running tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) There's probably a lot of ice eaters in this duck steeped area so oh yeah oh yeah I'm <laughs> all sure these there is all these permanent blinds and <laughs> private leases and duck clubs mm-hmm. yeah yeah no I, I would agree i think we all talked about it we think that we will shoot birds tomorrow morning first light i do yeah i think something will fly whether they come in or not it's a different story but no we just said we thought we'd Kill birds. They have <laughs> okay. to come in for that to happen. <laughs> do you not? I mean, do you not agree, Zach? Do you think we'll shoot birds? I don't know. I think birds will fly. Why? We have what a cop out answer. Well, man. <laughs> so I asked, do you think yes or no? He's like, I don't know. It's like, well, yeah, none of us know. <laughs> yes, I think we'll shoot birds tomorrow. How many? As a group, three. I was going to go with four. I was going to go with five, so you're kind of screwed. Cause yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Loser has to shave their uh, eyebrows. So <laughs> Loser has to pack out the other people's guns. The other people's guns. Wow, what a punishment. <laughs> they had three shotguns. I can barely lift this. Yeah. All right, fine. And my bag. It's going to be one of you guys that lose. Why? I guess I don't know. If we shoot less than three, I win. If we shoot more than five, that's true. <laughs> you have to get four. I have to get four. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, but not only that, but like if it's higher than five, you're further away. Oh, I didn't think. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he can't no, I'm lose. Com- I'm confident. He literally, I'm confident. He literally can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> that actually worked out pretty well for you. Well, unless we consider two losers, you got to split the weight. That's true. We'll do that. Two losers. Well, I'm guaranteed to carry something out then tomorrow. Okay, you're guaranteed. <laughs> All right, before we get too far off the rails, let's go ahead and wrap her up. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Um, we're going to get some shut-eye. I think we're all a little exhausted from the travels and the hunting all day. Uh, we got high hopes. For, I wouldn't even say those are high hopes. We got, we, we got some hopes for tomorrow. <laughs> and... uh yeah, what's the what's the mission of the podcast, Hunter? Mission of the podcast is to entertain, <laughs> educate, and for conservation. Yep, yep. So you know, we're we're trying to have our best voice in all of those. We want to educate new hunters that come along. Um, without new hunters, uh, the sport and this heritage can't continue on. So, you know, I think it's our duty as hunters to to educate new people coming on. There's so much on social media where it's like negative towards. 
um, new hunters where like someone asks a question and they get ridiculed. Like if that happens in the fellowship of the duck gun, like those people are out of the group, like automatically, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's just like almost like a common place where someone's like, Oh, how much can I clown on the new person for asking like whatever question it is that they, right. they think that they should already know, but we all got to start somewhere. And like, it's gone are the days where new hunters are just brought in by their grandpa and dad and like brought up as a kid hunting. A lot of people start at older age, you know, their twenties or thirties, something to get into, um, that they think they'll enjoy, you know? So, um, we want to be another avenue for those people to learn on the duck gun podcast. So we're, you know, we're going to do our best to make sure that that's part of our strategy for the episodes we release, you know, educate, new hunters. Um, not only that, we want to be entertaining. We want to have a fun time, um, sharing all of our experiences and the fun times we have with you guys, the listeners of the podcast, um, which is, you know, it's fun for us to do. Honestly, I'm super excited about how the duck gun podcast is going. Super excited about it. Like I've got a new fire under me. Um, and I'm just really excited about everything we're doing and the future of the duck gun podcast. I got some awesome ideas, I think too. Um, for entertainment on the Duck Come Podcast coming up as well. Uh, and not only that, conservation. We love having people on that are conservation-minded or, you know, science-minded like Dr. Doctor, 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 Dr. Mike Schumer. <laughs> doctor, doctor, doctor. <laughs> I said like three times. <laughs> Dr. Mike Schumer. I mean, he was an awesome guest. But not only that, we've had guys from Ducks Unlimited. We've had guys from Delta. And we want to, you know, do our best to share the conservation message because not only do we need new hunters, but we need new hunters um, that want to be part of conservation, um, and we need conservation to have you know continued duck hunting as well and continue that heritage. Um, you know, wildlife habitat is going away in some places, and some things. And conservation is our only way to kind of fight that. So um, we want to do our best with conservation as well. I got a little long-winded on the mission of the podcast, but all that, be say, all that to be said, guys, do us a favor. I know you guys have been doing it because we've been seeing a lot of new listeners of the podcast, but share the podcast with a buddy, um, a like-minded hunter. That way we can have a stronger voice and all those things. Um, and I should put this in here. We've got some, we've got some five-star reviews lately. Um, I do want to read a couple real quick. <laughs> I've actually read it to you guys, so... But we've had a couple new ones, so I might as well. I might as well read them real quick. I'm just going to keep talking until it pulls up, so there's no dead. <laughs> okay, actually, actually, I got a question for sure, you. Sure, go ahead. What is the top pocket on your backpack there for? The you don't know who that is no. So the top pocket on the FA waterfowl backpack, you unzip that, and out comes a strap that you can strap it to a tree. Oh, that's where the strap goes. Okay, right, so I right. knew we strapped it to a tree. I didn't know that's where the strap like, went. Yeah, so like if we would have had uh, flooded timber um, this weekend, that would have been great because, well, we could have uh, you know, strapped it to the tree. So we didn't. But anyways, I got a new five-star review from a current or recent listener, and he said, one of the very best duck hunting podcasts. Thank you, Anthony. <clears throat> Losing my voice here a little bit. We definitely appreciate it. Another one I want to read, recent one from this season as well, um, is um, 
Wisconsin Duck Slayer. I'm not even going to say it right because he says, great podcast, <laughs> but it's Wis, not Wes, when you say Wisconsin. So it's Wisconsin, I guess. I've said Wisconsin my whole life. And this little booger gave me a four-star review because I don't know how to say Wisconsin <laughs> right. So Seems I, reasonable. I feel, I feel like a little bit spiteful to him for that. So <laughs> I, if you change it to a five-star, I promise you, I'll say Wisconsin for the rest of my life. But if not, I'm going back to Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> that's blackmail, I guess. <laughs> but anyways, we love seeing the five-star reviews. Honestly, I have no idea if it helps us out or not. So whatever. Share it with a buddy. That's much better than five-star reviews, I think. But that's all we got for today, guys. I'm Jordan and Hunter from Duck Gun Podcast. And Zach, the young Padawan engineer, (laughs) audio engineer. And we'll see you guys on the next one.